chapter 46, of those who offend in any other matters. If anyone, while at work, in the kitchen, or the cellar, in serving the brethren, in the bakehouse, or the garden, or at any other occupation, or in any place whatever, commit any fault, or break, or lose anything, or transgress in any other way, and do not come immediately before the abbot and community, and of himself confess and make satisfaction for his fault, if it is made known by another, he shall be subjected to more severe correction. If, however, the guilt of his offense be hidden in his own soul, let him manifest it to the abbot only, or to his spiritual seniors, who know how to heal their own wounds, and will not disclose or publish those of others. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us. Sequis in labore. If anyone while at work, we are little by little growing into a sense of monastic work. We are slowly but surely, I think, acquiring a Benedictine approach to work. Work is indispensable to Benedictine life, and this at several different levels. First of all, we work because we have to work. We are poor men, obliged to do as much as we can for ourselves in order to make our living. So, even though we are not self-sufficient, we depend on the generosity of benefactors. We are all the more bound to do everything we can to uh, go forward, not only spiritually, but materially, so that we can have the security without which a peaceful monastic life is not possible. The, the downfall of so many monasteries has been a lack of material security. And uh, this leads to all sorts of abuses. So we do have to, all the while trusting in divine providence and seeking first the kingdom of God, we have to do all that we can uh, to attain a, a, a certain level of security that will assure the peace and well-being of our life together. And at the same time, uh, work is uh, an element of, of human balance uh, for each monk. It's extremely important uh, for monks to use their muscles, all their bodily muscles, not just their heads, uh, all their bodily muscles, it's extremely important that a man exert himself and feel physical tiredness at the end of the day. This is for many reasons, but it's a very healthy thing. 
Also, because of the nature of our enclosed life, we don't have a school, so we don't have the satisfaction of seeing a student excel in something and say, I did a good job here. This lad has really learned something. Look at the essay he wrote. Listen to the presentation he just gave in class. That gives a monk professor a certain satisfaction. <clears throat> we don't have the satisfaction that comes from monks who are pastors of souls. Oh, I had so many baptisms in my parish this year, and so many First Holy Communions, and so many marriages. And uh, a monk who is a, a pastor of souls has a certain um, tangible as tangible evidence of the fruit of his labors, and he sees the fruit of his labors. Um, a monk who is engaged in uh, some other uh, work outside, uh, not only does he see uh, what, what, what he's accomplished, but also he receives affirmation from outside. We don't have any of that. In, in the enclosed life, such as we live in, uh, in the life where we give the first place to the open state and to adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, uh, we follow what uh, the, the fathers of Second Vatican, Second Vatican Council called um, uh, the, the service of the Divine Majesty within the enclosure of the monastery. So in a life such as ours, it's important that we have within the enclosure of the monastery scope for seeing some kind of tangible results, even if it's only scraping the bird droppings off the patio outside the kitchen. That's a beautiful thing to do that and then see, look, the patio is clean. One has a sense of having done something tangible. Or uh, to look, look, look out the window there and see the transformation of that little piece of land outside the window. That's a tangible result, and the man needs that. Look at what you did in the, uh, in the old church. The cleaning out of the church to, to prepare it for construction. I'm sure you had a sense of satisfaction. We've done something. A man needs that. So, uh, work does provide, uh, at the human level, uh, an element of, of balance. I, I, I have long wanted to uh, put in place the traditional Benedictine prayers for the beginning and end of work. Uh, we haven't done that because they're contained in the little booklet, Preces Monastice, which we haven't yet uh, reproduced and distributed. Uh, Father Subpar has to work on that. There are a few things to be added and, and amended in that little collection. It's a, it's a little pocketbook of the usual prayers of the monastic day. But in that book, uh, one finds the prayers, traditional Benedictine prayers for the beginning of work and the end of work. Uh, Brother John Baptist asked me uh, yesterday about the prayers for the beginning and end of work. So I, I, um, I shall not wait for the, uh, the, the printing of the Preces Monastice. Um, I will do that on a small piece of paper or card and give that to Brother John Baptist that you will begin to say the prayers at the beginning and the end of work. And it's the president of the work who, who leads the prayers. So um, if 
if you're working under the direction of Brother John Baptist, Brother John Baptist leads the prayers. If you're working under the direction of John Finian, John Finian leads the prayers, and so forth. And so you will be getting those uh, prayers. They're simply psalm verses repeated three times. It's, it's kind of the quintessential Benedictine way of praying. You take a psalm verse and you repeat it. So um, we will put that into practice as soon as I print and distribute the prayers for work. On the same note, um, the question of silence at work uh, comes up again and again. Different, different brothers have come to me and um, asked me about the line of conduct to be observed in silence at work. The Benedictine approach to the question is characterized by balance, by moderation, by discretion. Monks at work are not expected to be mute, kind of communicating by means of manual signs and grunts. We don't do that. That's just stupid. Nor is work recreation. So it's not the time to tell jokes. It's not the time to relate stories. It's not the time to muse over things philosophical, historical, and spiritual, and liturgical. It's time to work. And uh, one does one's work uh, with application and method, speaking as needed. So don't hold back out of some uh, kind of uh, neurotic scrupulosity. Oh, I can't say this, or I don't know how to say it, or will I use too many words or not enough words? That's that's being that's neurosis. That's not virtue. Simply go about things roundly. Just just say what you need to say. Simply. Um, at the same time, there should be a light-hearted atmosphere at work. It shouldn't be heavy. So a sense of humor at work is a very good thing. It's a very positive thing. But it's not a variety show. Brother of work shouldn't be a stand-up comedian. We had a man here, I, I couldn't I couldn't keep him, I just sent him away. Because he couldn't be serious, not for three consecutive minutes. He turned everything into a farce. Everything. I had to say this. This won't do. He couldn't help himself. It was his way of coping with the, with the deep the pain and dissatisfaction with himself. So he played the clown all the time. All the time. So it, it's not the time to be a stand-up comedian. It's not the time to tell stories. It's not the time to, to give oneself over to elucubrations about all sorts of things. No. It's the time to apply oneself to one's work. But do it in a light-hearted way. You're free to communicate with one another at work. But you, you, you have to develop a monastic instinct. Uh, here I've crossed the line. You begin to know that. It's all right uh, to, to make mistakes in this regard because you're learning, you're growing. Uh, so that I've crossed the line today. Come and talk to me about it. I think I crossed the line in speaking too much at work. Uh, you'll know it. So it's, you want, a, a brother should be able to pray while he works. Now that doesn't mean that he should get a headache because he's trying to uh, say prayers uh, 
ejaculatory prayers and uh, song verses and and Ave's while he's praying. No, it should be very simple, effortless. This doesn't happen overnight. I prayed and struggled for the gift of the ceaseless prayer of the heart for years and years without success. And I would go so long, two months, three months, applying myself to prayer of the heart and really give up because I couldn't do it. And then I'd start again. And I'd go for six months and I'd give up. And then I would start again and I would give up. I couldn't make it happen. One night, I woke up in the middle of the night, after a long time as a monk, I woke up in the middle of the night and I discovered to my surprise that I was praying in the middle of the night. I, I, I caught myself, I caught my own heart saying, Oh Jesus, King of love, I trust in the mercy in the middle of the night. And then I realized that there was a subterranean stream of prayer that was going all the time, day and night, effortlessly. So that doesn't happen overnight. Uh, that is it's a grace that God freely gives when it pleases Him to give it. But one can dispose oneself to receive that grace of ceaseless prayer, of the prayer of the heart. One disposes oneself to receive it by practicing silence, by mortifying one's tongue, and by making use of ejaculatory prayers and psalm verses and aves and invocations, whatever else uh, attracts you, uh, and, and that way you can talk to me about it if you wish. Uh, but uh, it should not be a strain on a brother, because if the effort to pray ceaselessly is, is a strain, a nervous strain, monks have been known to crack up over that sort of thing. I mean, really to crack up. So I don't want that to happen. Um, so no nervous strain, no no kind of uh, effort. You know, uh, I, I will do this. I will force myself to do it. No, no, no that's that's not helpful at all. But by being humble, by taking the means at hand, by following the observance with alacrity, in a in a lighthearted way, very humbly, very modestly. One disposes oneself to receive such graces, and it, it's normally given to a monk uh, to pray ceaselessly with every heartbeat, with every breath. That, that's the normal development of, of a monk's interior life. And for monks uh, whose obedience is, is more intellectual work, uh, that comes in reading and in study. Uh, a monk should never read and study alone. We should always do it in the presence of our Lord, uh, close to our Lady, uh, sharing every line he reads with our Lord uh, under our Lady's gaze and turning what he studies to prayer. So there's, there's, there's that also. Even, uh, I think I've given Brother Hildebrand uh, and obedience to, to, to translate a text. Uh, I've given him several texts to translate well, that's, that's an opportunity to pray, not just to, to kind of go about it as, as a secular word. You know, I'm a professional translator, I'm this translation out. No, it's an opportunity to turn the text to prayer. So, uh, 
silence at work, yes, but it should not be strained artificial silence. It has to be a, um, a gentle, joyful silence. So, it, 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 it certainly, uh, I don't want you to become tense and scrupulous about it. On the other hand, I don't want you to be uh, freewheeling and easygoing about it. So there's, there's a balance. Your Benedictine life is all about balance. It's all about discretion. And this is very difficult because there are certain temperaments that, that say, give me rules, clear rules, in black and white, and I'll follow them. But Benedictine life is about nuance and discretion. And it, 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 it requires a certain Wisdom, it requires the seven gifts of the Holy Ghost. They have to be operative in a man in order to make wise decisions concerning his conduct. So, um, it's, it's certainly all right at work to uh, say something uh, that will uh, foster good cheer because when there's good cheer, the work is done more effectively. There's nothing wrong with that. But between that and doing a stand-up comedy routine is quite, quite that, that's another thing. So please understand that you have to grow into this monastic silence of work. It's not easy, it won't happen overnight. Um, and I, I absolutely refuse to take artificial means to kind of produce uh, silence uh, at work because that's, that's, that's play-acting. You know, if I try to, to force and, and make a scene happen. This is why in so many monasteries uh, in the years, uh, in the 1960s and 70s, uh, when the severe rules, minute rules governing silence were somewhat mitigated in favor of a more human quality of silence, well, chaos broke out. Because the, the sense of things had not been interiorized. And so, uh, this is what I, I want you to develop an inner sense of what is right and just in any uh, set of circumstances. It's very important that you develop this. And uh, this, this doesn't happen uh, automatically. It's, it's not something you can say, well, I was a postulant, and when I get the habit, I'll have this skill and this ability, and when I make first profession, I'll be able to do this, and when I'm solemnly professed, I'll be perfect. No. And then the solemnly professed monk looks in the mirror and discovers that he's uh, a spiritual wreck, and he says, well, when I reach my uh, silver jubilee, uh, I'll have it all sorted out, and then he looks back on 25 years of monastic life and says, I'm still a wreck, you know, and then he, he waits for this golden jubilee. No, no. It's, it's a question of deep humility, casting oneself before our Lord, I, I, not day after day, not hour by hour, almost minute by minute, and relying on grace, and at the same time corresponding to the actual graces that our Lord gives. Every time we respond to an actual grace, our Lord offers another actual and by this he draws us to himself, as the prophet says, with leading bands of love. With 
leading brands of love. Uh, with regard to accusing oneself for faults uh, at work, uh, yes, uh, the same thing holds. Um, one should, St. Benedict says, come immediately before the abbot and community and confess and make satisfaction for this fault. Our practice is to come to me and kneel and simply confess fault. And we do this uh, as soon as possible uh, after the fault in question without interrupting the work. So you don't uh, make a blunder and then you say to Brother John Baptist, excuse me, I have to leave, I have to go find Father Pryor to accuse myself. That's stupidity. You don't do that. You continue the work. And at the first occasion you come and uh, kneel down. We do it very simply. We just kneel down and uh, accuse, uh, accuse oneself. Or it can be done at chapter, at the end of chapter in the morning, or at uh, recreation in the evening. Um, or at any other appropriate time. So, again, appropriate is the operative word here. Appropriate. Um, as for hidden faults, these are secret faults, secret sins, if you will, uh, and they can eat away at a man's heart. Uh, the man who, who, who keeps, uh, who hides his secret fault, he's, he's gnawed inwardly, it's almost as if there's a scorpion that rest gnawing away. So, for secret faults, uh, one should uh, come to me, uh, or St. Benedict says to a spiritual seeker, spiritual seeker, who knows how to heal his own wounds and will not disclose or publish those of others. Uh, you can always go to Father Subprior uh, with that sort of thing. And, um, or to me, uh, this is not the same thing as sacramental confession. This is in the, in the monastic realm, and uh, it is something that we do um, freely, spontaneously, uh, and it's part of the escasis that, 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 that makes up day-to-day -day monastic life, this owning of one's faults. So learn to do that, but do it, do it very simply. And uh, in this way, uh, this allows me to help each one of you. If you're secretive and closed and unwilling to uh, reveal your secret sins and your faults and your struggles, I have no way of knowing where, where, where you are in terms of your monastic journey, so I have no way to help you. So to come to me, to kneel down, to own your faults, gives me what I need to work with you and to, to help you along, to lift you when you fall, uh, to give the encouraging word, to prescribe you.